beginning from your own crack to just hear it just on human terms. And we, the three of us got very, very emotional. So yeah, it like in Seville, when we screened in Seville, I used to have to bring a dry top with me because of the amount of tears that were shed on my chest. You know, like, and the, that, that was an audience that was kind of largely 15 to 18. It was big school groups, about a thousand um, students per screening. And the stories they told me, you know, uh, like one girl, she could, I could see her kind of like, a lot of people queuing up to kind of hug and tell me things. And she was too shy, but she was trying to kind of discreetly touch my shoulder without me knowing it. Uh, so I, I just turned around, she launched herself into my arms and was just bawling her heart out. Um, and her, and eventually she found her voice, but it kind of came out like little shards of glass. And she said, my father told me I was cheap. And I would never be anything. I'll never like, I mean, and honestly, I am, um, she was just, uh, she, I think she, she felt very seen and honored, you know, and that has been a very, very strong motif is just that actually the struggles of, and I, I think women and men, girls and boys and everybody in between, if you haven't been supported in being your best, you know, if you've been held back from being your best in life, then there is real grief there. And the film absolutely acknowledges that. There's, you know, and uh, I, I know I set out to make this film to really heal that grief and to meet it. And to and it was a long process of finding hope for the ending to to really let Frances earn that ending that where she does get an acknowledgement from her father that she is the greatest. It's not approval she's after, it's acknowledgement. And also to just have been prepared to go it alone if she had to, but she doesn't want to. I don't think any of us want to go it alone, do we? I mean, no. is the, I just thought that that whole thing that there, there are many different motifs, many different elements we could talk about. But but that thing about acceptance by your family or acceptance by the people that you love the most. Yeah. I mean, that is all the way through. That's it's just so so strong. Did it, did making it change you in any way, Hazel? Did, did, do you have a sense of you know how you were before and how you were afterwards, or mm -hmm. playing that role? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no. When I started off. Um, with the script, it was actually about two years before we actually, um, the meeting that led to me getting the part. And um, I remember after reading the first draft of the script or what Carmel had sent to me, I was um, I totally, just totally overwhelmed with emotion. And um, then through playing um, such a strong character, you really do pick up their traits and you, you find the pieces of them that make them who they are. You find the, the little details in different places and um, really apply them to your own life um, so I found little little shards of her in in me as well and I accentuated them and that's how I that's how I work so yeah I definitely feel like I've um, acquired a lot more strength after playing that, that and, and when you you know working through that role you were filming for five weeks was it yeah, yeah. 25, 25 days, day shoot 25 yeah. day shoot and mm. did you was it hard to sustain that or did what did you use to, to sustain because your performance is really strong but you also sustain it all the way through so I'm just curious oh I, I use this woman here oh, did you? Yes, yeah. no, um, she oh my god every single morning she bounced on set with uh, oh my god immeasurable amounts of energy and she was just 
she kept me going throughout the whole thing. I think we kept each other going throughout the whole thing. Yeah, I, I, I think like, I'd get on set and you know, you might have had two and a half or three hours sleep, you know, that'd be your average night's sleep and you know, there's just so much to be done. And there would be, you'd be carrying that burden and the minute I'd see Hazel, I'd just feel fantastic. <laughs> I just get this surge of energy. I just loved being around her talent. Frankly, it's like talent is like uh, just the most wonderful thing for me to be near. Um, I can't express what it does to me, the joy I feel. I just felt an exuberant joy. And I felt that too with you as well, Dara, just to say, um, Dara, where are you? Just so I can see. <laughs> Dara, you, Dara uh, would you like to just stand up so everybody can see you there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and the chemistry between you and Hazel and Johnny, I mean, that was brilliant. Honestly, I don't mean to ruin the film for you folk, but when we call caught the fun the three of you were having as well, yeah. you know what I mean, which, yeah. which is important. Yeah. I think that's part of sustaining your energy, you know, is that no matter what the film is about, that you as artists can be really good to each other, yeah. really supportive. Um, and, but, but I remember, I'll never forget, um, a lot of people were saying, but how will, you know, they were worried about Hazel sustaining it, mm. you know, like in terms of just the sheer ask. Mm. You were in every scene, in every shot practically, you know what I mean? And uh, the day of the fight, it was a great day. The weather was vile, let me tell you. I mean, it just was horrific. And uh, quite a few members of the cast, ha um, the paramedic was saying, look, this person is very close to hypothermia, right? <laughs> Hazel and Jamie, who plays her nemesis, the sergeant's son, were giving it welly. But I've seen Hazel, like I was going, I wonder how, you know, what, how, how this will be, because it's about 10 hours of fighting, basically, to put it bluntly. You were like incandescent. You were just glowing. We're like, yes, exactly like Francis going, at last, you know, I have a high enough mountain to climb. In like, a few, as you can imagine, loads of directors are asking me about Hazel now, now, like, you know, kind of for tips and whatever. And I'm going, your only challenge in working with Hazel Duke will be to make sure the mountains are really high for her to climb. So she, cause, that's what you try then. The more difficult it is, the more demanding. Like after that, after that fight, I was like, oh my God, we've quite an easy day the next day. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and I was kind of going, I was worried. And she just bounced, she bounced onto set. But I was just going, I actually have to keep, there would, be, would have been no point in you playing a character that was less than you. You know what I mean? And you love a challenge, obviously. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, no, but that's what, like, that's what my aim is like it's not it's nothing to do with um how big how large a scale of production is it's definitely just to do with like how intellectually and physically challenged they are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and well that's the the physical challenge is an interesting thing because one one of the things like i saw this a couple of days ago for the first time on a laptop which i know you are appalled <laughs> we were only just and, but even at that and then i, I obviously got it again there it's superb on the big screen but the it, the feeling of outdoors for me that was you know as somebody who also loves the outdoors you were like you captured the sound of the cuckoo, you know, the, the soundtrack 
was exquisite. The music was exquisite. But you cat- captured life outside so much so that when I think when we went into the room, you know, in, in with his cousin or whatever, mm-hmm. um, it felt incredibly claustrophobic. But that also must have been quite a hard environment to work, being outdoors. Were, were well, you outdoors well, all the time? Or we what were way out, did you shoot this? You know, I, I, We were outside 23 and a half out of 25 days. And we didn't have any trailers. We had one easy up, which is a glamorous way of saying an umbrella. <laughs> you know, and on the day of the fight scene, I was going, oh, like, because you remember trying to get, there were a lot of um, ensemble performers as well there. Mm. And there wasn't actually room under the umbrella for everyone. It was a horrible moment to choice. And then it was like the camera had to get under the umbrella to try and dry it. And I was like, oh, I have to throw actors out from under the umbrella to get the camera in. It was really tough. But the funny thing was, like going into the shoot, my anxiety was that people would be exhausted by that amount of time outside. Yeah, yeah. And we all thrived. Really. We really thrived. And I think uh, as a kind of mixture of settled and traveller people together on set, we found a common, absolute love of being outside. So much so, like Laura Roddy, who plays Big Daddy, like, uh, would slip off the mid call cut and he'd go into one of those, you know, the roundy tent made of the saplings and the hessian cloth. He'd go off and have a little sleep in the bed. Uh, Hilda Faye, who plays Big Mammy, and Noelle O'Regan, who plays Aunt Nelly with the long red hair, the two of them would be like making tea over the fire. You know what I mean? We were living the world. Really? Mm-hmm. that we are represented on the yeah. screen and we really adapted very fast so much that when we got to Uncle Bobby's we're like this is odd these four walls are so odd That's we felt like the family yeah no it was like anytime we were and we actually I remember we shot inside the trailer one of the times yeah. and oh my god there was absolutely zero space to move your elbows like it was mm. it was awful oh that was crazy actually yeah. <laughs> that day I remember looking at the schedule and every other day I was looking at the schedule going that's a hellish schedule. How are we going to manage it? And this day I thought, oh, we're inside in the little wagon all morning doing one, you know, the scene of Shaheen Shaho, where they're singing the lullaby together, yeah, yeah. father and daughter. Jaya, yeah. that scene means the world to me, kind of as a key to who Michael, her dad is, and to what's missing between them. But um, that was, you, it's extraordinary that the thing you're not worried about, I went, that's a remarkably easy day, it was actually one of the toughest. Yeah. And the camera was right there beside your face, like a hazel. It was really kind of, yeah. it, it was, must have been quite claustrophobic and suffocating on us, you know, the kind of proximity. No. She survived. It was pro- <laughs> yeah, like, it was <laughs> and were there production decisions not to build a set within, um, within a, a studio, a sound studio? I oh, mean, you oh, make the, oh, the, oh, well, now that you, you, very good question because actually the sound was a massive issue for being outside because yeah. the rain on the surfaces that was the bane of our lives. I must I looked at every single barn and shed in West Cork to see could we give ourselves rain cover, and every single one of them had a galvanized iron roof. I was like, mm, not a sound, you know, it's just not going to work. It would have worked, we could have maybe cheated a bit visually, but we didn't cheat, like, we just. We got boxed in in such a way that we had to absolutely go for broke and be completely honest. What you see on screen, if you were there, it looked the same, which is, I mean, that never happens in film. We had 360 reality all around us. And what I learned is this, that is an absolute gift to a cast. Every single thing you see on that screen was the real deal. I mean the real deal, like every item was borrowed from families, they'd been gone down through the years with a family um, or from the local museum. 
at the clothes, like Trina even put real gold on me that she yeah. got from Trina, the costume designer. Trina and Tama, who worked in design, production design, costume design, I think they gave you as a cast so much and they gave me so much yeah. as a director. Is it, the detail was stunning. I mean, the yeah. detail in, in every in every shot, you, you know, you saw the shots were cluttered in a way, in the, in yeah. the right way. Yeah. Jam-packed. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're saying everything was real. Yeah, everything, yeah, so everything was, was real. Even no, the shoes was... were vintage, so of course when they got wow. wet, all the soles came off. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, trying to skip yeah. on the beach. <laughs> oh my god, that was the worst thing ever. I remember just like we had this, uh, it was like a blue rope. I think you, you saw it on just for like a split second. But it was so heavy and it was so wet. Mm-hmm. And then the shoes again were like literally like split in half and like falling underneath me. It was uh, not the nicest, but. Um, and somebody at the last minute had decided to paint it black. I'd seen it and it was a colour and I said, oh, that's not a. You know, it was just one of those things that didn't. The colour was a little bit contemporary. And then, meanwhile, it was, there was supposed to be another rope got, and there was a mistake made, and someone painted it instead. And she got a, a, like, a wet black painted rope, which she was falling off. I mean, you know, that was challenging. It was challenging. Mm-hmm. And so did you do much in post with sound? Or yeah, did you actually, just decide to go with that? I love that you're tuned into it, because they can rarely get acknowledged. But I think I was a mega pain in the ass for the sound people. The comment I heard time and time and time again was, Carol, the audience are not going to notice that. But I said, oh, I live in the countryside. The big thing was around sounds of birds. I was like, what birds are they now? <laughs> what kind of habitat do they come from? And they're like, oh. And they, they, I was like, oh, um, what note is that wind? And they're like, what do you mean, what note? And I was like, you know the one that goes, <laughs> and then they're, and they're like, what? And I'm like, I was going, hmm. And they're like, oh, yeah. And they look up and they say, that's dry leaf. And I was like, Oh, what kind of dry leaf? <laughs> and, and I didn't mean to be a pain in the ass, right? But I spend all my time outside loving nature. So I would do this thing. I'd close my eyes and watch the scenes and see see with my ears. And like the sound people work so hard, so hard under such pressure. And usually, you know, like they don't get kind of subjected to those questions. <laughs> But, but I, I do feel it makes a difference because we did have to use some sounds, uh, we did have to use some of those, get those sounds in post. Yeah. Um, because, uh, and I really, I, it's something that I actually would love to never have to dip into a library, ever. Mm. And we did get some lovely sound, a lot. Like, I mean, all of it, we, we practically know ADR. ADR is when you have to re-record dialogue. So we did, and actually an awful lot, maybe what you might be picking up was, most of our sound was collected on boom instead of the little lapel radio mics and you do need a bit of both you know but but the boom has an absolutely gorgeous quality that always lives in the environment whereas a lot of what you watch is a lapel mic which is really getting the actor's voice lovely and crisp but without the world so so um i mean it was just the, the richness from everything the visual richness the aural richness and then obviously you know the character the story all of that and the, but it was very very rich and very very layered and also very gentle you know i also thought it's slightly like different but you know patrick's character was a really <laughs> interesting character to play against yours mm. that's that's quite a brave decision to go for a gentle boy uh well really you know you don't you know i think um Every until I had the three of those as a triangle, yeah. I didn't really have the heart of the film. And Johnny's role, like, 
a couple of casting directors had said to me that it was nearly uncastable because he is in everything. And he was so young, he was 10 at the time. He's quite, quite brilliant. He's precociously talented. He'd never acted in a film before. And actually, I would say that's a fraction of what he's capable of, Fantastic. to be honest with you, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and he has this, I had gone through many different versions of his character, and I was kind of had my options open for the child I would meet, who was to be the one in the film. And uh, he, Johnny just brought this sparkle of humour. Mm -hmm. So then I added little tiny things like, oh, would you put a bit of seaweed on your hair or whatever it is. In like Johnny's own little, he's an extraordinary person. Mm -hmm. You know, he has this big vision in a little person, you know? Um, but I loved, I loved, it was really, like he's not playing to type at all. He's, only the sparkly humour is Johnny peeking through. Yeah. Everything else is like him really, really properly interpreting the script and understanding what it requires. Well, amazing performance and amazing between the three of, the three of you, Darren, you know, and the two of you. I mean, it was really, like you, you got that family thing. And that's, this is your home territory. Yeah. So you also were, bringing something of yourself, I'm sure you bring lots of yourself, yes. but I'm just thinking very specifically, geographically, yeah. bring it to the screen, because that's yeah. your community. It is, and I mean, it's all the places I absolutely love. Yeah. I was just, it's like collecting gems, you know, probably the challenge was finding them within a certain radius so that we didn't waste any time traveling from location to location. But I, I knew all these locations in all the different light. That's hugely helpful yeah. to know how the place responds to the weather and the light so that you're ahead of the game then in knowing how to deal with it. And um, so that, that was a huge bonus. And uh, Hazel, did you spend much time down in that part of the country before you went filming there? Um, well, my nana is from Cork, so I spent, uh, she's actually here tonight, um, but um, she doesn't live in West Cork, so that's totally yeah. new territory to me. And, um, oh my God, it's, Probably my favourite place in the entire world. Really? Honestly, yeah. yeah. I, I think that. so. What were the things that you most enjoyed about making the film? If you were to say, mm. were there particular... Skinning the rabbits. Oh. Just kidding, just kidding, no. Oh. Totally not. Um, that was like the worst day of my life. Um, and you did it for me. Uh, yeah. 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 Just yeah. to say, if you don't mind me saying, do you mind me saying that Hazel is a vegan? <laughs> yeah, that no, was... No, I mean, I must say, hats off to you. Hands off to you. Yeah. Um, no, my, my most enjoyable moment, I'd say, was probably just the little moments in between every takes, just spending time with Dara and Johnny. Um, they're like two of my favourite people, including Carmel. Um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no apologies. But um, yeah, no, uh, I don't know, just yeah. the, the relationship that I had with everybody on set. Yeah. Like, we really, really became a tribe. Yeah. Oh, those irreplaceable relationships there it's, it's amazing and, and that really comes across on screen like I've, I really felt is there questions have people got questions anybody like to ask anything I make a statement rather than a question yeah uh, Kevin O'Connor that's the best film I've seen I've seen a lot of films like back to Pat O'Connor's documentary which you be familiar with that's the best film I've seen on travels that in the documentary because documentary as we know can be staged that's a fiction film, and from my experience, the best on travels. That's all. Thank you. Well, well thank you. That's, that means the world to me, and it means the world to me that we had a cast and crew screening on Tuesday, and in Cork, and our very first screening, uh, we had 
so many travellers present who were so proud of this film. They were just so proud, the women and men, in like, just, and I was sitting in a row where most people either side of me were travellers and watching their reaction, like, it was just great. Even the little details, like, say, when she said, one time when the Legion of Mary was inside, <laughs> saying the rosary with Nana, we were outside sucking petrol out of the car. Just like, and they come up and like, who told you that? And I said, well, I made it up, but obviously I kind of rolled everything by the various um, people from the travelling community that I worked with and that who advised me. But like, I said, like, that's what I suppose the people I know would do in that situation. Um, but they were particularly, on Tuesday night, what came through that means the world to me and Hazel was the women and traveller girls who were there were telling Hazel and me about Hazel, how much it meant to see her act the role like that, not hammering out the usual stereotypes, not going for the big accent. That was a big thing, you know, that they were saying. And at the time I did immense research and in the 60s and 70s, I had loads of little recordings of um, various travellers introducing songs or telling stories about their culture. And I was going, this is far more diverse. This culture, even the word traveller community, I actually think it's a bit ridiculous because it's traveller communities. And like, you know, it's, uh, we, you, uh, one thing I took from the film was, from the whole experience was, you know, that school exercise, um, complete the sentence, travellers are complete the sentence or settled people are complete the sentence you can't complete the sentence it's too general so what we went for was I suppose as much detail detail and then spirit is everything and I happen to absolutely love I love the travelling culture so you know I hope the love is up there on the screen yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. question the question yeah. yep Hazel, how did you get to being in a movie, is the question. Um, I went to, well, I started acting from when I was about nine years old. So um, I've been going to a drama class um, since then. And um, Mary Murray, who is amazing, um, sent me for a few auditions. And I I was quite lucky um, to get the first one that I went for. And then out from that rolled... um, an agent in Ireland and then um, a few more roles came along and then an agent in the UK So and then um, Karma was introduced to me through um, a casting director called Louise Kiley um, it was also amazing and uh, yeah that's that's how I got to be in this film but um, if you're looking for a drama class I would highly recommend Visions Drama School what's it called again? Visions Visions mm-hmm. yeah You're asking about the light and the, the colour. The light in the film, the quality of light and the colour is just really beautiful. And I'm just wondering how much of that was, um, you you know, your familiarity with West Cork and, and the way the light works and how much of it was um, in post-production where you were trying to get the colour balance completely as you wanted to. Because there's a yeah. real beauty about this that you could sit back and, and, and switch off the sound, even though sound is wonderful. Yeah. And just watch the pictures, and there's such a beauty in it. 
That's what struck me. You could, uh, that would also have been, I had very specific goals, and one of them was you could watch this film without sound. I, I wouldn't want you to, but you could. But yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Now, colour-wise, I went through thousands of photographs and hit on one that had every single tonal uh, quality across the colour spectrum that I wanted in one photo. That's so useful because it's very organising for the entire team. And it was a trawl through thousands of photos. Trina Lillis and Tom McCollum, as the two designers of costume and production, right, are absolute genius when it comes to finding colour. It, if you saw this film ungraded, because you know about that process, the grading being a capacity, you know, so you'll see graded, look, if you're used to looking for a grade, you'll see it a mile away, you know, pushing the blues and browns or whatever it is. The film pretty much looks as we shot it because the designers gave us the colours. In And you know that old car that's a wreck already in 1972 where they have the telly in the bonnet of it attached to the back tree? That was hell to find. Literally, days, Tama held her nerve, didn't go on to plan B. I'd been maybe quicker to go on to plan B myself. She held her nerve and she just found it. And the same with, like, the car. She, we were driving along one day, she said, stop the car, I need to go into that shed. And there was that beautiful, there's an kind of iconic image of the car beside the bales. She found it. And herself and Trina found all the colours that we need. Uh, that we needed. Michael Lavelle is an absolutely terrific DP and made sure he was ecstatic with the design. People usually don't know the difference between camera and design. You've got to put something in front of the lens to do something with the lens. Now, he picked beautiful, like our camera testing, we went through all the lenses. We picked our lenses, they're beautiful quality optics. So they are fantastic when it comes to, like, it's almost like film even though it's digital. We were actually having a great deal of latitude for light, you know. Um, and where and Michael himself in camera was able to match, like the fight scene occurred through four seasons in a day, you know, and in camera there was so little to do in post. But that meant Nick, our wonderful grader in egg, actually we just spent more, more of our time steadying the camera in post than colouring scenes. He loved it when he saw it. And then what it did was it allowed him to fine tune instead of doing the kind of rough work that sometimes film, is re film requires. And by that, I'll just an example of, as you probably kind of, you know, have quite a knowledge. You know when, when Hazel and Johnny are coming home from school and she's skipping on the beach? There the light that day was very flat and he was able to shade it, just slightly shade it for us to give the image a little bit more three-dimensionality. But largely, we were not like making our film after the fact. We had it in the can. Do you know what I mean? Which is where you want to be. It's where you want to be. But it was it was because the designers absolutely loved the world and had lived it. Tama, the production designer, had lived in those tents you see for two years of her life. Trina had raised her kids in a barrel top. They knew and loved traveller culture as well as the new age traveller kind of culture and all of that. They loved it. And they found they're just I'm so indebted to them. An amazing, like an amazing team. I mean, you know, you yeah. see it, that, that could only have been made, and particularly on a beach for 23 and a half days. The music, we're just yeah. coming towards the end, yes. unfortunately. Um, music. Yeah. Well, 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 first off, just to tell you, um, like uh, Oscar, the composer in this film is an Oscar winning composer, who normally you think, oh, how are we going to get him? I asked him, he loved the film. He said yes. Yeah. 
Stephen Morbeck, he did Shakespeare and Love and all, all these films. Anyway, and then we I drew deeply on Thomas McCarthy, is an Irish traveller singer who's just won Gronham Cole Singer of the Year. He advised me about songs in the film. And then I wanted to, and then I wrote with Stephen a couple of songs that sound like old ballads in the film. And then most special of all for me was the moment when we were shooting, when I planned to shoot this particular scene under a road, under a bridge in this black water at midnight. And the location got flooded and was absolutely lethal. And instead we were in heavenly sunshine beside a lake. And the plan was for her to be shipped. Hazel would be shadow boxing, and I said, that'll just look silly. So we were due to shoot, and I, I, I had wanted forever for Hazel to sing a song, for Francis to sing a song in the film, and I hadn't found one. I just had never found one. I tried to write one, didn't come. And I turned to Hazel and I said, Hazel, um, um, you know, instead of this shadow boxing, be wonderful if this, I think this is the moment where Francis might release a song from herself. Um, but I said, have you ever written a song? I had no idea that you write songs, Hazel. None. And she said, yeah. And I said, uh, would you have one that maybe would have something to do with the theme of a butterfly? Because we'd no butterfly in the film at this point. I was getting a bit worried about that. I was like, come on, butterflies. And she says, well, my dad said um, to me the other night, if you sing this song for Carmel, she'll put it in the film. And I said, will you sing it? She sang it, we shot it, and I'm going to ask her to sing it for us now. Yes. Would you like it? Would you like it? No. Okay. And all I see in this crimson glow is you Dawn's lights crackle Dusk does too Soon comes battle As we're longing for a truth that is not true Fond am I of the days I spent watching butterflies and dancing in the firelight. And though there's a tear drop that's fallen from my eye, the good old butterfly will teach me to be satisfied. Because this evanescent love must pass us by. Thank you very much. It's absolutely you, a gorgeous um, interview. Well, thank you way. for being so generous um, with this fantastic film, and congratulations and wishing you every success. Thank you. Thank you.